Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we just had a good time talking with Martino about soccer out there in Europe, Champions League, you know, uh, Copa Italia, we got Bundesliga, we got the Premier League. They are pretty much back in full swing, albeit without fans, you know, and it's coming down to it. We may get a crunch there in Bundesliga for final Champions League spots, huh, Kev? Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really, really excited about just kind of about what um, the world of soccer is offering us. Right now, I think at some point you and I are probably going to have to uh, venture on into the futures market. That is the NSWL uh, or the NWSL, yeah. but it's available right now over the FanDuel Sportsbook. And um, listen, when you you know a futures odds to win a trophy, you'll get you'll get my interest for sure. Um, and that's kind of what we look. We've talked about it for well over a month now, Dane. Yeah. If you get back first, you have an opportunity. I, I mean. Right. Like, you know, I've been I've been sitting here all day waiting for this Manchester United game to start. I cannot wait, man. So it, it's been it's been good. It's been enjoyable. I've been playing FIFA every time there's not a soccer game. There on. you go. It's, it's 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 all good stuff. Absolutely. And remember, even, you know, MLS may be leading the way here in America as well in terms of like one of these major team sports coming back. We have dates on that. We will dig into those odds when they become available. You know, Kev, um, Coronavirus is definitely a, you know, global headline. Another global headline is what is happening in American society around kind of protesting, police brutality, Black Lives Matter, that sort of thing. And we have been talking about it, seeing how, you know, players are using the power of social media, how there's an evolution happening in the conventional wisdom here. And I remember, Kev, uh, a few days ago, we re we we relabeled the sides right to those who get it and those who don't and it seems like we can consider the EPL the Premier League on the side who gets it right i mean on a number of things right jerseys all with black lives matter as names on the jerseys it looks like almost in solidarity all the players were kneeling when the Premier League kicked back up looks like they know what side of history to be on yeah, and actually on the broadcast, I believe they said it wasn't just the players, but it was the coaches and the referees mm. as well. I think, first of all, if people haven't understood the gravity of what's going on, okay, there wasn't a separate incident that spurred this on over in England. That's a reaction to what happened with George Floyd. Absolutely. This is a, this is a global situation that people have taken notice of. And I think that the kneeling gesture, for me, I felt was... Now, it didn't take place during an anthem. So if anybody out there says that they take issue with that kneeling, well, you're going to have to tell me why. It wasn't an anthem on, even though, right. you know what, what I'm saying? What flag are you disrespecting, you know? <laughs> you know? Right. The thing is, I think that it not just being the, the players, but the referees, the coaches as well, I think that level of solidarity is important. I thought changing the names on the back of the jersey to say Black Lives Matter throughout is – I thought that was a really, really nice touch, Dan, because to me it – it basically it allows the message throughout the entirety of the game to be constant, but it's not as if we're like you don't have to stop the middle of a game to give a right. speech. Like, not beating you over the head with it. Right. It's just it's there. It's always there, and and it serves as the reminder. I, I think if I were the NBA, I, I think maybe putting um, a, a BLM on the court like a logo. I, I think is something that they could look into. Mm-hmm. Or, or rather even be on the side panel, the whole thing can say Black Lives Matter. I think those are the type of things that you can do. It's there. You see it. It's not the only thing that's going on. But it, right. again, because that's what the NBA is trying to figure right, is how do we make sure that we continue this message? And I thought the Premier League handled it incredibly, incredibly well. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about it. The times they are a changing recently. We've also heard the University of Georgia changing one of the songs they play at the end of games. I believe there's another school in the SEC maybe con- contemplating changing their mascot as well. So it comes in a lot of different forms. But the idea of the quote unquote peaceful protest started, I guess, right, with Colin Kaepernick years back. And obviously, there's been a lot of conversation with Cap, you know, kind of everyone now understanding. 
and it's like, hey, he was saying this in this way, was being peaceful. We even said the president coming out being like, oh, yeah, maybe he should get a second chance if he deserves it. And that second chance is more possible now than I think it ever has been before because of the climate of our country. Mm. But we have literally specifics. Kev, you know, Anthony Lynn, head coach for the Chargers the other day, literally said he's on our workout list, you know, and every team does this, has a list of guys that if injury hits and it's a bad situation, they may need that this year if COVID hits an entire quarterback room as well, that, you know, Cap is on their kind of emergency call list. He made that comment. Check out what Anthony Lynn had to say right here. Kaepernick for a workout. That's something that's that's probably on the on the workout list. I haven't I haven't spoken with Colin. Not sure if uh, you know where he's at as far as in his in his career, uh, what he want to do. But uh, Colin definitely fits the, the the style of quarterback for the system that we're going to be running. And uh, I'm very confident and happy with the three quarterbacks that I have. But uh, you know you can never have too many people waiting on the runway. So there you go, Kev. He's saying, like, he's on our list, you know, and it's crazy to not have him on his list, and you can never have too much on the runway. Uh, do you think this is because Anthony Lynn was a minority coach, or are now all teams starting to, you know, uh, understand that the PR dynamic is now very different? That's a, you know, it's, it's a good point. And, and maybe, you know, Anthony Lynn is someone who will be more willing to say it first, and maybe someone who understands it better than the rest of the, the league's coaches. I also think that Colin Kaepernick is a fit. Let me get this out of the way because it's not the main thing that we're discussing. Go ahead. They keep proving this Justin Harper pick was a head scratcher. I mean, mm -hmm. everything that he said about why Colin Kaepernick makes sense. This have an athletic, mobile, quarter, yeah. almost run-first type of quarterback that we're after. The is fit, right, the scheme like, fit, right. Not that Justin Herbert is immobile, but he is – it's like Jalen Hurts makes so much more sense for the Chargers, and instead they took the sixth overall pick on a team that – You know how I feel about this. But I'm saying like <laughs> this team, if they – If they, if have they win now, right. It could be going win now, and they spent that pick on Herbert. It's It's been – it was – it got more and more puzzling to me as we led up to the draft due to conversations I had with you. It happened. We predicted it, but it was frustrating. But now they're like pouring like dirt on themselves. They're like, yeah, that thing made no sense, right? I even I had a conversation, um, you know, with someone who was like, well, maybe Anthony Lynn won't be there long because it's his sister. I'm like, that's so dumb. Why would that be a thing? One, he's been good. Two, then like you're gonna have to hire a coach that is gonna have to fit himself to right. Justin Herbert. Like the whole process. Square peg in the circle hole, right? Just so weird. Don't know why they've done it. But as far as Colin Kaepernick goes, Go I think we are getting to a point where his name is going to continually be brought up in a positive light. And here is the big, biggest difference that I think will be made. When a quarterback goes down, they're not going to be able to turn to this no-name right. backup. Like Clemens, of right. Yeah, that can't do anything and say, oh, well, we're going to go with the in-house option. Because now everybody, because now people are going to turn to Kaepernick. It's going to be welcomed. You're going to have to be honest with right. yourself that he's a better option. You, you try and be cautious, Dane, because they messed this up so badly four years ago. But I get, I continue to gain confidence that they're that that Colin Kaepernick. We are closer than we've been, certainly, to him playing games in the NFL. Yeah, you know, and other people say now the time off. You know, and I understand that. I don't know what Colin Kaepernick is. It's been four years. But here's what I'll say. Michael Vick was in prison for almost two years and then took another year off. And then you know it real well, Kev. He looked damn good when he came back for Philadelphia after a two- to three-year layoff. So it is possible. The one other question I'll ask you about this, though. Yeah. You talk about Anthony Lynn saying that Cap fits the scheme. The mobile dual-threat quarterback out there. Mm -hmm. I gotta ask you about Cam Newton, Kev. So the question, yeah, 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 yeah you yeah. know, like, yeah. okay, he's a great scheme fit. He's on my emergency list. Cool, cool. I, I all, all, all society notwithstanding, 
Cam Newton is a better option than Colin Kaepernick. And if you want a running quarterback to fit your scheme, like, I'm hearing all, and I love it, right? All the, you know, changing perceptions on Cam. I think if Cam want, I mean, not Cam, on Cap, if he wants to be in the league, maybe he does have a place. More power to him. Great. Where does this leave Cam in your mind, Kev? If now, do you think Cap could get signed before Cam? Maybe. Like, isn't it weird because now, like, the idea of Cap as a backup maybe isn't as weird as Cam as a backup? Maybe. Again, like, what kind of odds could you gotten on that four months ago? I mean, I, honestly, they they would have said, pick your odds, I think. Right, right, right. Said, they would have said, pick them. This is what I don't understand. If the Chargers, if Lynn is talking about scheme fit, yeah, right? Yeah. A month ago, I was telling you the reason I would have taken Isaiah Simmons number six overall is yep. because they had Cam Newton and Terod, and, you know, whoever wins it out would be that scheme fit playing mm-hmm. above average because you have legitimate pressure in QB2. Where is Cam in all this? Look, the problem is, like, there's, you know, we talk about Kyrie, maybe, right yeah. next to the long messenger. <laughs> Chargers, one of a tough team because. The Herbert thing is very real. Like, we're, we're sitting here trying to speak positively about what this can mean for Colin Kaepernick. And it's impossible not to go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why did you draft Justin Herbert? Why was this not Canvas Tyrod Taylor for this job? I, I think and Isaiah like, Simmons. Don't forget about Isaiah Simmons in the mix. Then. Right. And, like, <laughs> yeah, just there's so many things. I just want to mention something because you talked about the layoff. Ed Warner, right, very well known thought it was necessary to say Colin Kaepernick is 32 years old by the time 2020 starts. Uh, it will have been 1,348 days since he threw his last pass uh, in the NFL. Maybe Ed Warner was just trying to give some stats, right? But uh, Nick Wright, again, very well-known sports analyst, replied, Chad Henney turns 35 years old next <laughs> month. By the time the 2020 season starts, he will have thrown five passes in the last 2,181 days in that same yeah. time frame. Colin Kaepernick has thrown 959 passes. Chad Henney is the backup for the defending Super Bowl champions. So in terms of like the layoff with the cap stuff, honestly, push to the side. It's it's nonsense. Like Chase Daniels, again, got paid more money than he should have. I'm just going to throw you two teams, Dane, quickly, where I think this could make a lot of sense. I think the Texans, because mm-hmm. again, comparable to Deshaun Watson. Yep. Their backup quarterback's A.J. McCarron. Yep. Bill O'Brien said he's going to kneel. I think that that makes sense because you also want an environment where you know it's going to be fully embraced. Are and also Seattle? Arizona. Hmm. Same division, though. Kyler Murray the other day on a phone call said that he plans on kneeling. I think that's a great mentor for him and Colin Kaepernick. Again, comparable style, and their backup situation leaves a bit more to be desired. I think those are two wonderful landing spots if the money is right and he's down to be a backup quarterback i'd love to see him be on those rosters opening day love yeah, to see Seattle him. as well you know strong leadership uh sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on SportsGrid. Kevin and I are shining our spotlight for the final time in the NFL as we've been going around the league. Today is the Dallas Cowboys. And if you've missed any of our other previews with win totals, with schedules, with diamonds and fugazis, you can always find it, you know, on our YouTube channel. You can always hit us up on Twitter. We're going to keep it going next week. Then we'll have our playoffs set and we will continue to play out what we hope will be the 2020 season. But Kev, I got to start, you know, the main topics here for the Dallas Cowboys in the offseason, I think have been twofold. One, Mm. there is a new head coach, right? McCarthy comes in. It's no more Jason Garrett. So we got to talk about whatever impact you believe that may have another team in this division with a new head coach. And then what we have been talking about a lot of times, Kev, as it relates to Dallas is, All eyes are on Dak, 
right? Like, will he get paid? Will he not get paid? Is he worth it? Is he not? Is he a tier one quarterback? And now, would he have any excuse left because he's got a top flight running back? They went out and drafted CeeDee Lamb. And if you tell me Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb with Ezekiel Elliott to be fed in the backfield and what most people still believe is a good above average, although aging offensive line, Dak ain't got no excuses. How do you think Dak fares, and how do you think McCarthy kind of uh, molds all of this in his vision? Yeah, so Dak was wonderful last year. There, sure there's was. really there's really no other way to put it. Dak sure. was fantastic. And yet this team finished 8-8. Eight and eight. This team, fin- they, they fell short, short of the mark. And you look through it, and you look at this schedule, and you look what they put forward. They started the year 3-0, Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. Now, okay. And they were beating all these also-rans, but then when they stepped up in class, right. they couldn't handle it. So then they play. The, then, they, then they travel to New Orleans, and they don't beat Teddy Bridgewater. They then host Green Bay, and Aaron Jones runs all over them. They lose that game to the Jets. What a weird loss, but they do. Then they pummel the Eagles. The Eagles fumble in their first two possessions. The game was over before it started. They then beat the Giants. Then they host the Vikings and lose. They beat the Lions. Then they mm. lose another three in a row. Patriots, Bills, and the Bears. They handle the Rams. Division's on the line in Philly. They score nine points. The number two offense by DVOA scores nine points. Now, I know Dak was, I believe, a little banged up going in that game. I get that, okay? And they closed out their season with a massive win against Washington, 47-16. And ultimately, though, did not make the difference. Right. I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from, from, from last year. Dak was great. They lost half of their games. They had the number two offense by DVOA. Right. Like, go through and look at the other top eight offenses in DVOA. They're all in the playoffs. And this team was eight and eight. Not even just, oh, they missed the playoffs. They were eight and eight. They were not good. They, they lost consistently when they stepped up in competition. Consistently. They lost defensive talent. They added C.D. Lamb. I, I, they are a very difficult team to judge. Based on some regression luck, they should be better. And how you view Mike McCarthy, maybe they're going to be a lot better. I'm not super high on Mike McCarthy. Okay. Have you been able to pull Lincoln Riley or Eric Bieniemy? Having a different conversation. We're talking about what is, for me, may- maybe a Super Bowl pick because of what that could have meant for this offense and, and my trust level in it. Mm. But I also still don't necessarily know what my confidence level in Dak Prescott is. Like, right. He had that. Remember that playoff duel with Aaron Rodgers? Yes. I think it was his rookie year. Like he's And he's had those moments. But last season was one of the weirder seasons I can remember. They just couldn't beat a good football team. And I don't know necessarily what's happened, Dane, in this offseason that leads me to believe otherwise. Unless you believe in Mike McCarthy or anybody but Jason Garrett, right, right. I don't know what's happened to give me the confidence in this football team that they are the division favorites that they're priced as. Yeah. No, I think you make good points, right? And this was the number one offense in the NFL in terms of yards per game, right? Mm -hmm. This was the number two offense in the league in terms of not allowing sacks, right? These are numbers you like. Here's what I'll say, and I don't know if you buy this, okay? But they happen to be towards the bottom, okay? Bottom five in the league in a couple of stats that I think have an impact but are largely fluky and can regress easily to the mean. You know, we talk about that kind of positive regression. Check this out, Kev. And 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 do you think McCarthy over Garrett helps these sorts of things, okay? Kev, they were 29th in the league last year in average starting field position, okay? They started on their own 24-yard line, third worst in the league, Okay, maybe that's setting their defense up in bad spots, tougher. Okay. They are also, get this, they were 26th in the league in takeaways. Kev, you know, and sometimes those are fluky from year to year, right? 26th in the league with only 17 takeaways. The league average, I believe, was 23. Also, another kind of uh, stat like this, they shot themselves in the foot, Kev. They were 26th in the NFL in penalty yards last year, right? So these are the kinds of things, starting field position, um, you know, penalties, turnovers, those 
could be the difference of a team with a very good offense, right, being from eight wins to ten, potentially. Does that resonate with you at all? And what do you think about this defense, Kev, that's like lost Byron Jones but yeah. did get Diggs to kind of replace him in the draft? Yeah, and, and the, the idea around Diggs is that he should be a good corner. It's just not sure if he's the type of corner that will excel year one. And he's replacing, in, in this idea, the best corner on their team. Like, that's right. not – like, best Byron Jones – He got big yeah. money. Yeah, like, bro, I think he broke records at, at, that, at that position. So that's just – it's a tall ask. I think the numbers do go through, right? Field position maybe can be a yeah. bit fluky. Um, penalty yards. The penalty yards, you got to button that up. Turnovers, though, again, like if your defense got worse, I'm not going to expect you to get more turnovers. I'm just, that's just not going to happen. Um, again, I know some of the, sometimes these things can be luck-based, but you also – I mean, you've got to be able to force turnovers, right? Again, it, it's a – to me, my expectation is – and here's how – you know, because I know we're going to go through our game by game. Yeah, we got our future to look at, but yeah. More often than not, when they come up against a team that's a, that's a tier below them, I won't really think twice. Right. Even on the road? Even on the road. They okay. go to, if they went to – and I don't – but if they went to we'll do Miami it, yeah. or when they go to Washington even, right. I won't think twice much about it, honestly. It's when they play those teams that are on the same level as them that I don't know what to do consistently. Yeah. And you'll see it throughout this. They start with the Rams. Then they go to Seattle, Okay. They host the Steelers. They they play the Vikings. I mean, right. it's just it's not the easy. It's not a it's not the easiest schedule in the world. It, it's it's going to be really interesting just kind of to see how you think that this team's okay. balance should be distributed. We'll look at it. And Kev, you're going to love this. It seems like you're talking about them as beating the bads, right? But maybe not stepping up. It's almost like they are the litmus test. They are the gatekeeper. <laughs> and I know, Kev that that is a thing in your world of wrestling, right? There are some guys that are just at that level, right? That are, they beat all the guys on the small shows, you know, whatever. But when someone up and coming is real, they're like the stepping stone, right? And yeah. maybe you, it sounds to me at least, like you consider Dallas almost like that in the NFL. Let me give you some of their futures numbers. Nine and a half win total, just like Philly was yesterday. But remember, Philly was minus 115, to the under on that, Dallas is minus 150 to the over nine and a half. They are the favorites to win the division at minus 105. They are plus 850, the fourth choice to win the NFC. They are 17 to one to win the Super Bowl, the sixth choice. Dak is 12 to one to win MVP. McCarthy's 12 to one, a co-favorite to win coach of the year. Zeke has 1,735 yards as a prop bet and is 10 to one to lead the league in rushing, something he has done every year he's been healthy for the entire year in his career. But I want to mention one other thing, Kev. You may have noticed there was a bet that I say for all the other teams that I did not say for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Ironically, if you look at the playoffs, yes, no bets, mm. they hang it for 31 teams in the NFL. They do not hang it for the Dallas Cowboys. Why do you think that is? For me, it's like the idea of maybe this is, you know, America's team, the public perception, yeah. and there are varied opinions, right? They don't know where to hang the number because they may get pounded no matter what because some people either love them or hate them. I found it very interesting. There is no yes, no on the playoffs unless I am missing something. I don't see yes, no on the playoffs. Oh. And here it is. It wasn't there yesterday, but it is here now. <laughs> yes, minus 260. No, plus 205. It was a new market, I guess. Yeah. But with all that said, where are you leaning pre-schedule yeah. on the Dallas Cowboys? Thanks to FanDuel for putting it up. I thought I found something scandalous, but no. Um, again, so, you know, based on yesterday, uh, the Eagles went 11-5 and five and what we went yeah. through. I, I think, look, I think Dallas can compete for this division. I, I think that they should make the playoffs, but we've talked about the NFC being a bit more crowded, right, with the NFC North having to take up a spot. It could be tough for maybe Dallas to crack that barrier. For them to, for me to go over, though, I have to be confident in their win total. I just want to offer this one more thing. What's up? Last year, again, they were number two in offensive DVOA. The one thing is, right, things like that sometimes regress, okay? Like, the, the year before that, they were – they were like 24th 
okay, in DVOA. And you look through the like last year's top eight. The Titans were in there who were 22. The Niners were in there who were 27. The Ravens were number one who were 15. These things fluctuate, okay? Even if you go through last year's top yeah. eight, the Rams were second, and then they dropped back to 17. Sure. The Chargers were third. They dropped back to 12. My point of, in saying this is even just some natural regression right. on the offensive side of the ball with a defense that seemingly got worse is why they are, to me, the most difficult team to project in the entire league. Their ceiling is Super Bowl. That's their ceiling. They are, if you said round up, who do you think can win a Super Bowl? They're in that bubble. But they are also one of those teams that you could, I could see underachieving because I don't remain high on Mike McCarthy. I don't know what to make of them not being able to beat a single good football team last year. Right. Pretty much. And I also, we haven't even really talk, talked about this. Jerry Jones is a disaster. If Dak loses week one and looks bad, Red what rifle. we're going to do is talk about Andy Dalton. Yeah. And we shouldn't. I'm telling you this now. Right. They, we shouldn't spend time talking about Dalton. And some people will want to talk about Dalton no matter what. But Jerry Jones is the type of guy who will force us to Keep talk about initial. Andy Dalton. Absolutely. And that's not the ideal situation. They are to me. And again, I know you will tell me if I am being fair or not. I think they are the most difficult team to project in the entire league. All right. Well, we're going to then try and project them when yes, we come yes. back. You talk about the regression potentially for the offense. There could also be regression positively for things like the penalty yards and the field position. So we shall see. Kevin says it's going to be hard. We're going to take it on and do it right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid, where Kevin and I put the fun and functional sports content five mornings a week. I defy you to be a regular viewer of this show and not chuckle. I don't know, Kev. I set the over-under on chuckling at three and a half per hour. What do you say? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think I know I personally hit the over. I mean, we got uh, Chad Henny Alavaca. Like, there you, you know. go, brother. We got them all. Don't worry about that. Let me give you another quick over-under real quick because of what you mentioned coming out of the break or uh, going into break last time. Over-under, one and a half games Andy Dalton plays for the Cowboys this year. I'm going under because— Even in history, including injury? Well, then I just don't know what. Then I guess I should just take the yeah, part, right? part of your cap, right? You got to think. About right. It. But I think the reason we're talking about it is Andy Dalton's skill. Up. Like, we're not going to ask that same question for all 32 teams because the all injury. Right, fair enough. So over I mean? a half, not for injury. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm going to go under because he has no business playing for any other reason. <laughs> but I'm also acknowledging it is a very fair question being asked. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Dallas. Remember, Dak is out there with that quarterback market next year, potentially also, along with a lot of names. And we'll talk about that uh, moving on, I believe, next week. You know, a lot of Ds in there. Deshaun there as well. But let's go through their schedule here, Kev. I'm going to try and keep you honest and nail you if you're not being fair to what you just said is a team with Super Bowl potential. Remember, they're the fifth choice in the NFL right now. They start on the road on primetime in Los Angeles seeing the Rams yeah this is it's it's again like it's exemplified in this game I said I said that this was the toughest game from week one right that it took me to sit here and go back and forth on because I think that this Rams team maybe will be a little bit better than some people are giving them credit for I think them being home matters again I know years change last year they played this game in Dallas and Dallas blew the doors off of them with the Rams still had some playoff hopes alive a little bit I'm leaning on the Rams being home. We've talked about this a number of times. 
east-ish, not really east-ish, but traveling west in prime time. How much does that matter week one? On week I don't one, know. It's right. tough to call. But it's a I, new stadium potentially being opened up as well. There may be some added juice in the building. It's a location again, connect. I don't know how many fans will be there. Yeah. Week two, they go to Jerry's World. They are home. Atlanta comes to town for their home opener. Yeah, this is the type of game, without hesitation, I give Dallas. Without hesitation. Fair enough. I'll be very interested to see how much you hesitate about their week three opponent up in the Pacific Northwest. They see Seattle, who we both agree will be contenders. Yeah, and again, it's a, it's a situation type of pick. I think Dallas, you know, is unlucky to have to travel to these two teams. Uh, and I think they, they would have much rather have it travel to the Niners, live with a loss there. That and maybe get to host one of the Rams or the Seahawks, right. then the kind of the way the schedule's played out for them. I'm going with Seattle because Seattle is at home. All right, so you have the Dallas at one and two mm-hmm. out of the gate. Now, up comes a stretch that we have mentioned before here, Kevin. Okay, I remember because Arizona, I believe, has three straight road games at this point in time. Dallas gets to rest at home after Seattle. Week four, Cleveland comes in. Week five, the Giants come in. Then week six, three home games in a row, the final one of which is Monday night football at home against Arizona, who I believe for them, it is the end of a three-game road trip. How many of these three do they get? Cleveland, New York, Arizona. Yeah, I like I like them in all of these games. Okay. Again, the, Brown, the Browns. I'm interested in how the Browns will find their footing to start this season, but I like Dallas out of the gate here. Not much uh, concern in that week five matchup against the Giants. And then the Cardinals, again, that was an easy one to pick because it's the right. third straight road game it's for a the big Cardinals. Spot. It's a big spot spot on the NFL schedule, Kev. Yeah. We should look at those odds and maybe, because they have the Monday Night Football odds up, that may be something we take an early gander at because we both like Dallas because of the home road balance that is going on. After this, Dallas gets back into contention. They are 4-2. and two. They have two road division games up next. Quickly. Uh, what, the Cowboys are right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook, seven and a half point favorites. That's would, higher than I would thought. That's higher than I would thought. I would have liked it at six. I wanted under a touchdown. I wanted under a touchdown. At seven and a half, I'm scared of the hook, Kev. I'm scared the of the Cardinals hook. are eight and a half point dogs week one against the Niners. A one point difference between Dallas and San Francisco? It's interesting. You have found something interesting. FanDuel maybe likes. Remember, FanDuel, though, has the Cowboys as the third choice in the NFC. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, they that's they, this is how they are rating Dallas. They got two road division games up next at Washington, at Philly. Yeah, so the Washington game, we've talked about this now as we've gone through the NFC East, right? Last year, Fredskins lost all their games, so the Giants' only two wins came against uh, Washington in division. The Eagles and the Cowboys were both able to post five and one division records. That's exactly what I have repeating in terms of the five and one division records, except Giants and Redskins can split a pair. But this is a game. If you're going to try and find it, I think this is a game to circle because the Cowboys are coming off of the Monday night game here. They've been, they've been a little bit hot. They're getting fat on the hog here. Exactly. You, this is it. This is the game that you could see a Washington sliding, you know, sliding in there. I am not though. I'm gonna go with. I'm going with Dallas. <laughs> so all of that, but ultimately Dallas does get the. Well, road. here's the problem too, right? If I gave that to Washington, it's a bad look for me. So I'm not gonna do it. Oh, you think I'd kill? I'd kill you on the uh, Eagles' love? Well, let's find out. Because next they go to Philly to take on the Eagles after their road win in Washington. They go up I-95. Yeah, and the Eagles are coming off of a mini buy here, which makes this a really nice schedule right. spot. For Philly and them being able to post this go through though, because I trust that you're consistent off the mini vibe, right? So your rationale is something that you have been consistent with. So I'm cool with that. There's a long con. I didn't. I don't care about mini buys. There's still long con for this <laughs> very last like, roster. Go just so you could pick this one. Yep, yep, then yep. they go back home to Jerry's World, and the Steelers come to town. Spent a lot of time on this one. The Steelers are off of a buy here. Now Ooh. they're not hosting the game. But this is the type of game last year yeah. that Dallas lost. Think about that Thanksgiving matchup with Buffalo. The Steelers, what they bring to the field defensively, I'm expecting more of them with Big Ben. It's the type of spot that I know or I feel Mike Tomlin can galvanize the troops for. Maybe Dallas's favorite off of a bye week. 
the bye week edged it for me. And that was the and that was the difference maker in again a very difficult game to pick. Absolutely, but it sounds like you have Pittsburgh winning that one um, on the road, making the Cowboys five and four so far. Then they have their bye, Kev. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is a bye in week ten. After the bye, I know you love home teams after the bye. Dallas ain't home after the bye. They go to what many people believe is a very tough place to play against what many people believe will be a playoff contender. After the bye, they go up to Minnesota to see the Vikings. So pretty much we've had a rule with the Vikings throughout this entire process is that they're home against a non-NFC North team. They get a win. I made an exception here. Ooh. The Vikings are coming home after a Monday night football game against the Bears, having played three straight division games. Right, and that, is a, that is a blow after a blow after a blow. Dallas being on a bye here, it costs them against the Steelers. It benefits them here against the Vikings. All right, I'm going to tell you something. I think that's a very beneficial win because it's not outside the realm of possibility that Dallas and Minnesota can have tiebreakers involved, you know, at the great. end of December. Another interesting piece of the schedule I want to give you in a chunk of two or three here, okay? Because after they go to Minnesota, the following week is Thanksgiving, Kev. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then obviously, as we know, in Thanksgiving, Dallas is one of the traditional hosts as you're packed around the turkey. In my house, it's Beth Neal, but that's a different topic for a different day. And it is Washington who comes to town. I want to note, though, then, the following week, they're on Thursday night football at Baltimore, but in an ironic twist because Baltimore also plays on Thanksgiving night in a big-time rivalry against Pittsburgh. Both of those teams will be on their normal rest in week 13, I believe that is. So what do you have them happening here? Hosting Washington on Thanksgiving, then going to Baltimore with both of those teams on regular rest. Yeah, so I've got them handling uh, Washington. I've got them losing uh, that primetime spot yeah. to Baltimore. The, the, the Ravens are the type of team I can't talk myself into Dallas beating, maybe regardless of where it is, especially with it being in Baltimore. Fair enough. They stay on the road. They stay in the division on the road. They go to Cincy to see Joe Burrow and the Bengals next. But this is kind of a mini-buy here. The problem is to me— This one would we, be the mini-buy, yes. As, as we've gone through this schedule, Dane, they just, in my opinion, can't get things to line up perfectly. Right. Right. When you look at where they're going to go next week, they're going to host the Niners. If they got to host the Niners on a mini buy, that's great. A mini buy to the Bengals is so irrelevant. Of course, I've got them beating the Bengals. I'd love to bet the over in this game right now because I expect Burrow to throw for a ton. This is the type of game Dallas puts up 40 points. All right, so you have Dallas now at 8-5 and five going into the last three games of the season. They come back home for two huge games that probably have playoff positioning involved. 8-5 and five Dallas, welcome in San Francisco, yep. then they welcome in Philly. How does that stretch go for the Cowboys? So again, to me, the Niners are the type of team I cannot talk myself into Dallas beating based on what they have put You're forward. Up. Do they have the ability, especially at home, to beat a team like the Niners? Yes, they do. But in this exercise, I cannot give them that win. I do have them beating Philly the next wow. week. Wow. You got them beating Philly. Fair enough. So they are 9-6 and six in the mix going to MetLife to see the Giants to finish the schedule. Yeah, and that's a game that's going to be, of course, important uh, for them to be able to get up to win number 10. Jason that's Garrett and bang them out. Could you imagine? The I Jason could. Garrett revenge would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess you, maybe. But ultimately, no, I'm going to still give this one to Dallas. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Remember, you had the Eagles, I believe, at 11-5 and five yesterday, Kev. You know where you got Dallas? You've got them 10-6. and six. Okay, so with that context, that's very close to the win total that we talked about. You know, it's big juice to the over 9.5. You have them at 10. I, I, I tell you that now, okay, there were playoff odds up for them. Yes is minus 260. 10-6 probably gets them in with all the context that we've talked about. Or is 10-6 and six an MVP caliber season for Dak? Does Zeke lead the league in rushing? What do you think here about uh, any of these futures bets that you'd settle on? 30 seconds. Yeah, I would say Dak cannot win MVP unless they win the division. But a 10-6 and six team, this thing can go a lot of different ways with them. Again, for anybody that's in on Dallas, I get it. But I basically don't think I can put money next to the team that I describe as the hardest to predict in the NFL. 
Yeah, that's fair. You know, you did have a lot of coin flip games there. But we've talked about this being one of the number one offenses in the NFL. That means there should be some fantasy goodness there. We'll look into that when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge on the Dallas Cowboys today. And it's interesting, Kev, you know, we were talking about their offense, how there's something of a fantasy herd, how, you know, all eyes on Dak because he has the weapons. We even talked about Dak as a potential MVP candidate, Zeke potentially to lead the league in rushing. So there's got to be some fantasy goodness. I do want to start with Zeke Elliott, right, because he's going right now, Kev, as RB3. And I find it very hard at that level to call him a diamond or a Fugazi, right? Because if he's RB3, you're going to draft him in that spot, right? Probably number two, number three, number four overall. I wouldn't even give you shade if you decided to take him number one because he may represent the safest floor. But everyone that's where he's going to go. That's where he's valued. I find it very hard to think that someone at that level considers this an overvaluation or an undervaluation of Ezekiel Elliott, right? Yeah, I, I think you would – you can't call him a diamond at three, right? right. Um, unless it was like he's so much better than everybody else and he needs to be your number one overall right. selection. You you could argue a Fugazi if you wanted to make that argument. You I'm that not going to make that argument. Here's the thing with Zeke last year. If you would have said, hey, how do you think Zeke did? Like overall, like do you feel that he was overperformed, underperformed? Down season. That's what I that's what I would have thought. He finishes RB3 in a down year. Like I understand that CD Lamb is coming in and and everything. But remember when Zeke first started and he was like, "Oh, that's the focal point of the offense and everything." Zeke is now you're going to tell me in the back of people's minds when right. it comes to the game plan for this football team. So his I mean, efficiency, no, I think it is. I think it has to be actually. I would tell, I think because passing is always going to be more dangerous. So I, I think he's there's but no choice for a defense to have the, the offensive side of the football worry about or the defensive side of the football worry about the offense's passing attack more so than Zeke getting the ball. And, you know, whether you trust Mike McCarthy or not is up to you, but he's one of the safest dudes in the league. I, I mean, he averaged four and a half yards per carry oh. last year. He had 12 touchdowns last year which was double the year before. So, like, you know, what's the angle? He, he yeah. had a, a career – he was down in overall catches, but, you know, and that's what the work coming in. So maybe his receptions are going to go – so you could sell me on I think Zeke's closer to RB6, but also if, if you tell me that that's the safest pick in fantasy football, I'd say it's probably maybe him and Michael Thomas. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's like the idea of uh, DeAndre Hopkins having a down year and still being a top five wideout. You know what I mean? And so absolutely, if you want Zeke, you got one shot at it. And that's going to be about it. The one thing I would push back on you when you talk about prioritizing the pass game, like we've had this conversation as related to your boy, Ryan Tannehill, right? When teams actually did that and that was like the right hand that they wanted to take away. Derrick Henry runs for 170. Derrick Henry runs for 180, 150. And, you know, Zeke Elliott is absolutely equipped to do the same thing if that happens to be the poison that opposing defenses pick. Let's talk about Dak Prescott as well, because this one, you know, it sounds like, have you may have thought he was a diamond, but then everybody had joined the same party you were at, almost like the way I felt about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I thought he was going to be my diamond. Then I find out where the market views him, and he's not you know, undervalued. He's very well-valued, so that gap uh, kind of evaporates, thus not a diamond for me anymore. It seems like you feel the same about where Dak Prescott actually is in the marketplace. Yeah, around like March or so, I was talking, you know, with uh, the person I co-own a team with. And, you know, we try and see if we can pick our spots, you know, QB 10 or 11 off the board. Right. Because that's your league winners. Like Lamar Mahomes, it's consecutive years where the MVP of the league, you know, was not, I don't think, drafted as a top 12 quarterback. Yeah. Um, Lamar, it depends kind of on the range where you found him. So I was like, man, maybe Dak. 
now I was completely off base. I not looked at an ADP quarterback three right now. Yeah. He's a top five, pretty much quarterback um, anywhere you're looking at the board. So it's a matter of how high do you think he can go? He's not going to go off the board where Lamar and Mahomes end up coming off the board. Do you believe that he is closer to those two than Kyler Russell Deshaun? And he maybe then is going to prevent you, uh, present you some incredible value? Or is he, you know, a part of a tier that's too high for, you know, your liking and you're just going to miss the boat on someone you still expect big things from? Uh, yeah, for me, he's more in the Kyler, Deshaun, Russell category. I do believe Lamar and Patty are on a tier by themselves. But moreover, uh, the fact that he is one of these top six, let's say, I'm not spending up for him. Okay, because you remember, your original idea is to get the perfect league winner guy, right, at quarterback 10, 11, 12. Dak does not move the needle for me more than that theory and approach. Okay, when I still see the guys at 10 through call it 15 and I see those names, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger, the idea of whatever benefit I think Dak gives me above call it Aaron Rodgers is not big enough for me to spend the draft capital required to ultimately land Dak Prescott on my team. I'm going to wait and be very happy with my pick of the litter of guys like Aaron Rodgers. Baker Mayfield is someone I think I'm starting to target. If I want, like Aaron Rodgers is 12 and Baker Mayfield is 15. I can literally wait until almost every other team has a quarterback on their roster and I can double up with Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield. I would much rather that approach than spending the whatever, call it sixth round pick on Dak Prescott when instead I'm going to get a valid starting wide receiver or my starting tight end in that spot. So I appreciate the production that he gives you, 4,900 passing yards, 250 plus rushing yards. The touchdowns are there. The touchdown in interception ratio is there. This is not shade on him as a passer or the production I think he can get. It's about the allocation of resources for me and supply and demand. I like those other guys a little bit lower personally. Do you agree? Yeah. Ultimately, you know, we talked the other day again with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think that yeah. I think Carson Wentz can have a very similar season to what Dak Prescott's going to put forward. And, to, and, that, and that's the gap right there while I'll end up very likely right. waiting, I, I think. And yeah. yeah, I don't know how you can even really kind of get to the Lamar Mahomes tier. And you might even be able to argue that Lamar's rushing floor is so safe that maybe yeah. Lamar should be QB1 with a bullet and we should leave him alone on his own island. Nevertheless, you know, we're, we're not going to be drafting these quarterbacks. We're just not the, right. you know, the type of fantasy players that draft quarterbacks in that range typically. That's right. Maybe in a two quarterback league, it might be a little bit That's different. Game changer. You know, but it might be a little bit different for sure. Yeah. Um, you talk about Lamar being so safe. Like, there's room that Patrick Mahomes gets better, you know, and that's the scary part as well. well. No? Better 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns better. Because I, if I'm not mistaken, their total fantasy points scored Lamar last year and Mahomes that year, I think they were like bang on even almost. Yeah. They and were. the thing is, like, that's. Not, Mahomes' ceiling in terms of a production standpoint was probably realized there. Lamar, I don't know. Again, like he, the, that's where the rushing more than 1,200 yards this year. He can't. Dane, he just shot out half it. Like at the I end of the game, you. he I was like two at Bama. It was be. the NFL. Right. I, I think they're going to be slightly more careful with him this year. But that's a different topic for a different day. We'll talk about our MVP awards and all that stuff. Let's look back at Dallas. Okay, we've talked about Zeke. We've talked about Dak. Both of those going third off the board at their respective position. I think the more interesting conversation, Kevin, is about this wide receiver group in Dallas. Okay, where you have Amari Cooper, you have Michael Gallup, and obviously the rookie C.D. Lamb. Where do you think these guys fit? You know, because we've talked about the idea of a fantasy he heard and how these guys, you know, plus Zeke could be a herd. You like the shepherd in that situation. That is Dak Prescott. But if, you know, you have three legitimate wide receivers, more than any team this side of Kansas City that I can think of, or maybe even Denver now with their, what they've got going, um, 
How do you think this winds up? How do you think the pieces of the pie, is this a herd? Are you willing to plant your flag saying one of them will be an unquestioned lead dog here? Like, I'll give you the numbers, but where do you think the value comes in with these three wideouts? I think it's possible that all three of these guys can be fantasy viable weekly. And that's why I was so excited. We've seen this before with Cup, uh, Cooks, and Woods before. Yeah, I mean... Amari Cooper was wonderful last year. Michael Gallup is seemingly his favorite target. And one of the things that we found out with C.D. Lamb is that he's not walking, as much as he's walking in as wide receiver three, there's more targets available than we would have thought. 83 left the door with Randall Cobb and another 83 left yeah. with Jason Witten. And I don't hear anybody talking about Blake Jarwin as some Blake Jarwin, end right. sleeper. So if C.D. Lamb can also crack, C.D. Lamb getting 100 targets is not only like, I would say it's almost expected, considering. What did Cobb have last year? 83. Yeah. Yeah, he got us in, like, sure. Right? And then maybe some of the ones that were making made up for uh, Jason Witten. Yeah, I think that's very possible. So let me tell you here. Amari Cooper is going off as wide out 12, the very back end of wide receiver 1, or a high end wide receiver 2. Yeah. Michael Gallup is going in the wide receiver three range at number 33 overall, right? So he's starting week-to-week wide receiver. C.D. Lamb comes in just outside of flex territory as number 50. Remember, the three wideouts get you to 36. If you put in another 12, potentially as flex plays, that gets you to 48. C.D. Lamb right outside of that. So given the fact that Cooper's on the one-two cusp, Gallup is going as a back-end wide receiver three, and Lamb is outside of flex territory, kind of as a wide receiver five bench option, which one of those do you think has the best chance to overperform where they are? right now i guess of that group i mean considering what i just said about cd lamb as wide receiver 50 you tell me you've got the you've got the list there yeah i'll give you how the many, ones right above him how many guys though above him have the chance to get 100 targets like i just suggested okay um good question let me find out i'll try and uh, bring this up and I will see, I'll hypothesize for you. C.D. Lamb is at wide receiver 50. The guy's right above him. You said that can get 100 targets? Yeah. I see a couple. Okay. I see a few. Uh, right above him, for example, Golden Tate is above him. I think Golden Tate is a target guy. He's a PPR guy. I think he is a target guy. Robbie Anderson is above him. Um Manny Sanders is above him. Darius Slayton, Mike Williams, Sterling Shep, all three Giants guys are right above him. And we're, and here's where C, what C.D. Lamb that has going for him is being in, though, a wonderful offense. I, I think genuinely Emmanuel Sanders is a wonderful offense. Yeah, what, absolutely is. Okay. Um, you know, it's – and but Emmanuel Sanders is someone that we're also pretty high on, I would say, yeah. based on when we went through this. So you're going to take the low parts of the herd because you think maybe in this offense they can return value? I know you don't want to own all three guys on a single team, but across teams, I could see myself owning all three of these guys. And that's what happens when you have one of the top offenses in the NFL. Well, that'll about do it for the Dallas Cowboys as we tie a nice little bow. For my man, Kevin, I'm Dane Martinez. The morning after is up next. Join us for the weekend edition of the Early Line tomorrow. And uh, keep it locked. We'll keep giving you the edge and putting the fun in functional sports content. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.